You guys have um, obviously come to church on Easter, right? What else would you do right now? And, and we're so grateful that you joined Canyon Creek Church. If you've come in, we really believe that the, today is a celebration of the greatest event in the history of the world. I'm going to try to convince you of that fact today. We believe that everything changed because of the resurrection. But before we begin, I want to tell you a little bit about our church. Uh, we are actually a multi-site church. We have other campuses uh, that are Canyon Creek Church uh, locations, all of them in Washington. We are the Idaho, representing Idaho. We love the Palouse, and so this is the Palouse campus, and I'm the pastor here at, at our location. And so just wanted to give you a perspective on that. We believe that the church, not our church, but the Big C Church, is literally the greatest movement in the history of the world. And we believe beyond that that Jesus Christ is the most significant person that has ever lived. And he's made a difference not just in history, but in our lives as well. And so we want to celebrate him and talk about him and really lift him up today. And we're so glad that you're here to join us as we do that. We, you know, I would just lay this out. Whatever your conception of Jesus, and maybe you're here and you're kind of skeptical, we want to welcome you, by the way. That's, that's fine with us. You know, we're not all wearing varsity letters, you know, that we've got it figured out or anything. But we're here to say this, that I, I would invite you to consider Jesus in maybe a way that you haven't before. Open yourself up to the fact that he might be real and that you might get to know him better because of what he's able to do today. It's not that I'm going to preach a magical message and the words are going to go out and they're going to land in your ears and everything's going to make sense. But uh, I really believe that God himself will begin to just even take the words of the scripture today that we're going to read and just let them land in your heart and in through your ears in a way that is potent and powerful and life-changing. So what we're celebrating today is that the tomb is empty, right? Jesus is alive. The stone has been rolled away. Our Lord Jesus Christ is risen, right? Let's celebrate that for just a moment. Just celebrate it together. Yeah. And that that fact that he is risen, that changes everything. It, it, is, it has implications for our lives, uh, for what we do, for who we talk to, for who we talk about. Uh, now, Jesus made many claims about himself. There's a lot of these I am statements in the Bible, and particularly in the book of John. And today we're going to look at a story in John where he makes a very powerful claim about himself that I would even venture to say that it is one of the central statements that Jesus makes about himself. So let's look at this verse together in verse 25, and let's just read it. I am the resurrection and the life. Could we all just read that part together? Just together, just that one section. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus goes on to say, after this big I am statement, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's really, really good news. Really good news. Now, what is a resurrection? If you don't know that term, uh, maybe you don't run across it very often and you're here in church today and you kind of got a vague idea that resurrection just means that Jesus was dead. Well, in general, a resurrection is when something is uh, dead and it comes back to life. Uh, when Jesus said this, this particular statement, this really wasn't in connection. You might be surprised to understand this. It wasn't in the connection with his resurrection story. Um, he was speaking of, uh, of a resurrection, but he is connecting, connecting it to another guy who died. And uh, he did 
didn't stay dead either, and that guy's name was Lazarus. So we're going to look at the story of Lazarus today, and I'm going to give you a little bit of roadmap as we look at his story. We're going to then look at us, and we're going to see the ways in which we might be dead or dying inside, and ways that we have fallen short or struggling, and the ways that Jesus brings and breathes life back into us And so the statement that I want to make and the theory that I want to put out before you is that everybody needs a resurrection. Everybody needs a resurrection. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, these words that I speak, God, are, um, they're from your word, but I pray, God, that you would use them. And I pray that you would illuminate and magnify yourself. It's not about me. It's not about us here at Canyon Creek Church. It's about who you are. You are amazing and wonderful, and we love you, but God, we need a resurrection. Help us to see that in Jesus' name. Amen. So the very first verse in John chapter 11, we get introduced to this guy, Lazarus, and it says, now a certain man was ill, he was sick, his name was Lazarus of Bethany, and uh, he was in Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So already we have three characters in the play. In verse 3, the sisters sent to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Jesus had a very close relationship with Lazarus. He was friends with Mary and Martha, but he was very close with Lazarus. In fact, the only time that we're told that Jesus um, wept over someone in particular and their suffering was in John 11, and Jesus said, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, he said, just said simply, Jesus wept. He wept over this. He wept over the loss of someone that's close to him. And also, um, he really wept over their grief and their mourning too. Jesus is a God who understands and knows our emotions and our pain. And so in verse 3, the sisters sent to him, and the bad news that they got here in the middle of this great life that they're living, they're friends with Jesus, they're in Bethany, which is near Jerusalem, and so Jesus visits them when he's in town. They have this close relationship, and, you know, I think that the way that this bad news sort of lands in them, that their, their beloved Lazarus is going to die, and they, they get this terrible news, and it's the way that Jesus kind of gets it, too. It's, it's just like, hey, this, this person that you love, um, he, he's about to die. I would acknowledge this, that there are sometimes people where everything is happening in your life. Everything is going great. You're, you know, you're winning at life. You're doing wonderful. You're on track. You have a sense of purpose. You have a sense of what God has called you to do. And then all of a sudden, there's a kink in it, and you, 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 there's a setback, and that bad news happens. A lot of people are in this room hurting right now. You've come to church, but you, you, you didn't want to. You're, somebody invited you, and you're here. You may have heard like just bad news, kind of like Jesus did. The one that you love is sick. Anybody ever had that kind of news? Everything's going well, and then somebody calls you. You get that call. It's late at night, and you know, you're dreading when that happens, but you find out that someone's in trouble. Or maybe the one that you love has cancer. The job that you love, it's going away. That You pinned your career, your hopes on that. The dream marriage that you had is turning into a nightmare and you're struggling. But in the middle of all of this, 
Jesus really begins to turn things into an amazing direction in John chapter 4. And when Jesus heard this news of Lazarus being ill, he said, the illness doesn't lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And the important thing to remember on this level is that what he's not saying is that everything's going to work out the way that you hoped. All right, what he's saying is that God's glory is going to be exhibited through this situation. Even though it's the worst news that you've ever heard that you could ever imagine, God is going to receive the glory. He is going to take center stage. He is going to be glorified. He is going to be magnified. And so this is where we start off. Jesus responds. I'm going to give you a quick summary of verses uh, roughly uh, 5 through 14 uh, in this story because they get to Jesus. They they really ask him to come help him out. Could you just be there? Come pray with us. Maybe, you know, if you could heal Lazarus. He's dying, and and we'd love to see him healed. Um, What does Jesus do in response to this? Nothing. (laughs) He does nothing. For two days, he sits there. He just kind of, you know, he, he doesn't do anything. He's just like... You know, like, and, and he's just kind of hanging, like, he's hanging out. They're freaking out, you know. They're like, where is Jesus? If he could just be here, you know, Lazarus is not getting better. He's getting worse. And, and as they're, like, you know, up close and personal, seeing their friend go spiraling downward in his health, you know, they're looking for Jesus, and he's not there. He's not showing up. Now, two days later, they, they say, you know, uh, Jesus says, well, let's go to Judea. And they tell him, like, wait a second, if you go to Judea, it's really dangerous. You could be killed there. There's a lot of people that want to kill you. And uh, so they say, kind of wait on that. Jesus says this, though. He said, hey, Lazarus is asleep, which is just a metaphor for uh, Lazarus is dead. He's already dead. So I'm going to let you know something we don't know yet, but I'm going to let you know Lazarus is dead. Now, three different characters emerge in this story. So there's obviously Martha and Mary. Lazarus is dead at this point. But we have also the disciple Thomas. He shows up too. Thomas has a reputation for being a what? Doubter, exactly. Doubting Thomas, right? And so Thomas is there, and he kind of leads in this idea of doubting. Thomas is really dead in his doubts. And he says in verse 16, uh, Thomas, I love this, also known as Didymus. You just had to throw that in there. Everybody say Didymus. 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 Sounds like a bad name for a rapper, right, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> and so, so he says to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, we're just going to go. Jesus is obviously going to get killed. We shouldn't be in Judea. Things are going badly there for him. There's people that want to kill him. Well, we're all going to just go die. And so he's kind of given up. He's saying kind of sarcastically, things aren't going to turn out well. That's Thomas's mentality. I mean, how many of you guys have ever had problems with doubts? Anybody ever doubted anything? Want to raise your hands and just kind of admit to that? Anybody ever doubted? Okay, so for the rest of you, while you polish your halo, um, I would say this, that um, all of us, all of us, and myself included, have had doubts. Maybe, you know, you prayed a prayer, you believed in God, you trusted in God, and you thought, you know, God would, he, he could, but he didn't answer my prayer in the timing that I wanted. You, maybe you grew up and you had this simple faith, you just believed in God, and it was very simple, then you went to like some freshman biblet class, and a professor said, you know, hey, this didn't happen the way that you think it did, and so all of a sudden, you question whether that was real, and the doubt sets in. Nothing wrong with doubting, by the way, but it happens. 
And maybe you believed God, but you just, it didn't what you thought he was going to do. It didn't happen. Why didn't he stop it? Some bad thing that happened in your life, and as it rolled forward, you're like, where's God in all of this? Maybe you're like Thomas in your doubts, dead in your doubts. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're more like Mary. Mary is another interesting character in this. So um, she just kind of, nothing good is happening for Mary right at this moment. She is, just can't seem to be getting a break. And here we get in verse 20, a picture of how Mary responds. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. So she went out to meet Jesus. But what did Mary do? Mary stayed at home. She's, she just was too sad, very depressed. She, she was like, why bother? You know, he's already dead. Nothing can be done anyway. And so, you know, that might be where some of you are today in your situation. You know, I'm always going to be alone. Or, you know, I, the more I try, the more effort I put into things, I just keep getting these setbacks. Maybe you're a little uh, on the side of depressed. Or maybe you're just kind of, you feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job. Maybe you're discouraged or you feel stuck in life in general. And you're smiling on the outside, maybe even playing along with it, doing the Easter thing. You come to Easter, but on the inside, you're hurting you're broken. This is, this is Mary. And, and I, I really relate to Mary sometimes because, you know, you just kind of like, you can't, you can't seem to get a break. And Mary sort of retreated. She wanted to stay at home, didn't want to engage with Jesus. You know, Jesus, if you would have just been there, you know, it would have turned out differently, but it's too late now. So why bother? Why, why go out to meet him? Mary was dead in her discouragement, not in her doubt, in her discouragement. And then finally, we have Martha. Martha was interesting. Martha was dead in the delay, in the delay. In John eleven seventeen, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, one of the things that's interesting, she says, is that, uh, you know, King James Version says it the best, right? He stinketh. You know, she's like, he's been in the tomb for four days. He stinketh, which means that he stinketh. He's, you know, and she said, you know, he's been dead for a while. You probably don't want to mess with that. It's, he's, you know, and she says, Lord, Mary said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here on time, if you had showed up when, when he was still alive, my brother would not have died. You took too long, she's saying. If you would have just been here, then you could have done something about it. You could have changed the situation. Lord, if you could have shown up earlier, but now the situation is impossible. It's got to the point where there's nothing we can do about it. Jesus, he's dead. That's final, man. When someone is dead, that's the, you can't go back from that. It's obviously, like, we all know that. It's, so it's great that you healed the sick and everything, but Jesus, Lazarus, is not sick anymore. He is dead. And so she's saying, like, hey, I... I know that if you would have been here, you would have done something about it. Some of you can relate to this, and Martha is exhibiting this delay in her life, or this, she's sort of dead in it, that you might be waiting for some result. Maybe you've prayed hard for something. You feel discouraged in the delay. You were praying for a, a job or a relationship. You were praying for an outcome, but the answer just se seems to get farther and farther away. The more you pursue it, the further the goalposts seem to be. And, and as that happens, you believe that God can, but that he doesn't seem to be answering. And if that's you today, 
I hope that this will speak to you, but I want to I show you that God's delays are not God's denials. The fact that he's not answering in the timeline that you think he should doesn't mean that he has denied your request. Now, what does this doesn't mean that God always gives us what we want or whatever picture or conception of the outcome in our lives that God, that we deserve whatever we think God should answer our prayers in. But also the fact is, is that just the, just that he is delaying doesn't mean that he's denying. For example, if you're praying for um, a career move or a job or, you know, some, some big decision that you have to make, and, the, and, it, and it seems like every time you pray, then you wake up and the, the field is changed and the players are different and the equation's different and now you don't understand it anymore. And it's like, you know, well, I, God, I thought my purpose was to do this or God, I thought that my, you know, my dreams matter to you, but now they keep moving down the road. And um, I'm just here to tell you that God's delays are not God's denials. God may have a plan for you and his plan might be different than how you conceive of it, but he is in charge. So that he might be glorified in the future, not, not you, but that he might for the very thing that you have going on today. So Martha was confused and dead in the delay. And it's interesting that as I kind of look at this story, uh, there's two parts to John at play here. The first part is kind of roughly in verses 1 through 21. That's where all the bad stuff happens. Oh, you know, like this is when Lazarus dies. You know, Thomas is freaking out. Mary's depressed. Martha's mad. Uh, there, you know, th- this is the first section, and all the bad news happens there. But then it's almost you turn the page, and everything shifts. And I want to kind of lean into that part of the story here and show you that in the way, what happens in verse 22 is kind of initiated in how Martha responds. Look at it with me. But even now, she says, Martha says, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What she says here is really important because if you remember, Martha said like, well, Jesus, if you'd have shown up several days ago, then I don't think that Lazarus would have died. But now he's dead. Final act. End of story. Let's put a period on it. Lazarus, we used to know him. We'll never, you know, we'll never be around him again. We'll never, you know, give him a hug. We'll never eat a meal with him. He's gone out of our lives. But what does she say in verse 22? Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Some of you, you may need to have an even now moment with God. If things are falling apart and things don't look like they're going to turn, the page isn't going to turn for you, believe now that even now, all things are possible with God. When you feel discouraged, all alone. Even now, the presence of the Holy Spirit can give you peace. God can reach down inside, even now, even now inside your jacked up family, and he can begin to resurrect and bring harmony and peace and restoration, even now. When everything looks like it's impossible, we serve a God for whom all things are possible. Even now, he can do it. Even now, when your heart is calloused and, and maybe hardened toward the things of God, our God is in, in a moment capable of softening your heart, showing you truth, drawing you into his presence even now. And that's the key thing that Martha is saying here is that Jesus I can't do it. I don't see a way. But I believe that even now with all of this that's happened to me, I can stand in here and know that you are capable of doing something. I don't know what it is, but maybe even now, if you could ask something of God, I think that he could provide it to you. 
he could give it to you. And in the very next verse, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. So encouraging, right? What do you mean, Jesus? Are you serious? Could you say that again? All right, your brother will rise again. Martha was a little confused, so she answered, okay, well, I know that he's going to, you know, resurrect in the last days, and that's not what Jesus meant. You know, he wasn't talking about an afterlife or coming back again. He was talking about something else. And then he says this, and this is the linchpin of the whole message, so pay attention. Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? That's Jesus's question to Martha. My question to you is, do you, do you personally believe that? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Jesus did not say, I have special powers. I'm capable of resurrecting. He didn't say, like, I'm a Marvel character. I've got this bag of tricks. I can raise people from the dead. He didn't say anything like that. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The thing is, Jesus is showing us that the resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's not something that happened at a point in history. It's not something that we come to church on Easter to celebrate and then we forget all about it. Jesus is the resurrection. It's not an event. He is a person. So it's not just what he does. It's who he is. It's his nature to resurrect. When he walks into a room, dead things don't stay dead. That's just who Jesus is. He is the resurrection and the life. So he tells the disciples, he says, hey guys, when are you going to take that stone away? Let's move that stone out of the way. Does it sound familiar? Like a moving stone in a tomb? Like, can you see a parallel maybe to a story that we're going to talk about in just a minute? Yeah, a little bit. In verse 43, he said, um, when he said these many things, he cried out with a loud voice. I don't know why he used a loud voice. I really don't know. Maybe dead people don't hear so well or something. But he cried out in a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died, he's sitting there wrapped up in cloths. And can you imagine? And then he came out with his hands and feet still bound with the linen strips. You know, doing this thing. I don't know. But I mean, it's just a, it's a crazy thought. Like he walks out of the tomb. His face is wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So they had to basically remove all these bandages. And, 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 and wow, he doesn't stinketh. He's okay. And as they start to unwrap him, you know, he's maybe breaks out into a smile. And what, what did that look like? Use your imagination. Uh, it's crazy to think what this must have felt like for all that saw it. And if you contrast these two stories and you look at, on one hand, Jesus said, roll the stone away. And then you have the two women going to the tomb of Jesus. And they're, when they walked up to the tomb, they were like, oh, who rolled the stone away? You know, you can see the, the, the parallels there. You can see the idea that Jesus said, not that I am capable of being a resurrecting Jesus. He said, I am the resurrection. Why did he say that? Because he takes things that are dead and he makes them alive. There's something that causes us to die and it's not discouragement and it's not delay and it's not doubting. It's called sin. And sin is the thing that separates us from God. What is sin? Sin is not doing the things that you should do. It's also doing things that you shouldn't do. So uh, it encompasses really everything that separates us from God. God is holy, he's pure, and he's righteous. 
And the Bible says if you've committed one little tiny sin, then you've broken the whole law. So I'm sorry, like none of us can earn our way out of that. No one can try and just get really good and be good at life and get out of that equation. We're all sinners. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. And man, when, that, when we realize that and we realize that we're actually dead in our sins and that Jesus is not capable of resurrection, he is the resurrection, there's nothing else that can resurrect us, then we've got to put our eyes right on Jesus. We've got to look at him because he wants to roll the stone away and come alive in us and make those dead things alive. Not because you're good, but because he is good. Not because you deserve it, because he is capable. You can be made brand new in Jesus. That God did something that we couldn't do for ourselves. Everybody needs a resurrection. Do you need a resurrection? Do you need to come alive in Christ? Everybody needs a resurrection. Even now, hopeless as it may seem to you, even now, with your situation, I don't know what it is, maybe you feel like life is pretty good or you're on the other end and it's all crumbling around you. Even now, it can happen. No matter how hopeless you feel, no matter how dead you feel, even now, God can make the dead thing come alive. And the story of Easter is the story, yes, of Jesus rising from the dead. I, I can't explain how he did it. It makes perfect sense to me as you study it. There's a rational understanding of the resurrection where it is a historical fact that it happened. And uh, if you've been a part of our church for a number of years, I, I love to go talk about that a little bit. But today I wanted to, to just... At this Easter, the moment that I want to bring us to is this, that there is nothing that can raise what is dead inside of you, dead in your sins, dead in your doubts, dead in your sense of despair, but the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. He cares about you. He loves you. He knows you, and he wants to move in your heart today. You know, I want to pray for you. I want to just pray a simple prayer for you because I believe that today, if you trust in this Jesus, that he could turn everything around for you like he did for Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus is just, I mean, it's not like he's sitting in, in the tomb going, you know, this is a bummer. Like I'm wrapped up in these linens and I can't wait for Jesus to come rescue me. No, he's dead. There's nothing you can do about being dead. Once you're dead, you're dead. You know, sorry to break it to you, but that's the way it works, right? But you're dead then, you know, you go to be with Jesus. And so, but what happens, um, if you're in Christ, by the way, um, and if, if, but with Lazarus, it's like a sense of finality. You know, Lazarus is there, and, and all of a sudden, in his, de in his deadness, he is made alive again. And honestly, I mean, I, I wonder if Lazarus, Lazarus was a little bummed out. I, I don't know what, that, what he would have felt like. Like, really? I'm back again. You know, I got to do this. They could do this some more. But the thing is, it wasn't the story. Is in, and the reason that the story ends in 11 is that the Bible doesn't want to make Lazarus the center of the story. The Bible puts Jesus at the center. And he says to Martha, and the key is, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is an event, isn't an event. It is a person in Jesus. And so what I want to pray for you this morning as we leave and you go about your Easter day and maybe, you know, take some nice family pictures is Jesus is a person and he loves you and he knows you and he wants to change you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, 
I want to pray for you. If I could just have everybody close your eyes, bow your heads so that no one's looking around, just in a moment of respect. And, you know, I'm not going to call you out or make you stand or anything like that. But maybe if you could just, in this moment, raise your hand or catch, catch my eye, just look up at me and let me know that, uh, Pastor Scott, I would love to know Jesus. And I don't know that today, I, I, I really don't know if I'm alive in him. I feel like maybe I'm a little bit dead, just dead in my sin, dead in my doubts, and I, and I need a breath of life in me. Just raise your hand, look at me. I'd love to know. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you for that. Father, I pray today, God, that your word and your presence would build faith in us, Lord, faith in you. God, that in your people here in this room, you would begin to do a work in those that responded that they want a new life. They want to live again. They, want, they don't want to be dead, that finality, God. And there's no hope in our, in our deadness that we could ever make ourselves alive again. This just doesn't happen. There's no spark in us that allows that to happen. Um, but God, you can make dead things come alive. You are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for changing my life. For in my deadness, Lord, I can remember back so clearly of how I used to feel, how I would wander aimlessly in life. And Lord, how you uh, got my attention and you changed everything. Lord, you made the biggest difference in my life that I could have ever hoped for and far, far beyond. But Lord, the important thing is, is not that I'm having a better life, not that things are turning out better for me. The, the, the great thing is, is that I am alive in you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you, Lord. And the prayer that I want to pray is a prayer that I'm going to ask all of you who looked at me and raised your hand is to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive my sins or do the thing that I can't do on my own, and that is to make myself clean, to make myself alive. And Father, I just, I ask, Lord, that you would make me alive. Do the thing that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And I would like to encourage you guys to just think about this message as you go about your day. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And what that means is we don't just like, light up when we hear a message and then just go off and forget it. But I hope that it resonates with you. Let me pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for every gift that you've given us. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would bless the offering as we, as we take in just, you know, the, the little bit that we are asked to give back to you. Uh, God, may it go forward and multiply. Use every dollar and multiply it for the good of your work in this community. We love our city. Um, we love having visitors. And we just thank you, Jesus, for the work that you're doing in our church and in this city for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as the offering buckets are going by, I just wanted to kind of tell you again uh, that we are a church that uh, we, we'd love to get to know you, and we are a friendly church. I hope that you felt at home here. But more than that, we, we love Jesus, and we love to talk about Jesus. And I want to invite you to come back uh, for next week. We're going to be starting a new series. It's a series on how to deal with difficult people. Does anybody have anybody that, like that in your life? Anybody at all? Don't nudge the person next to you. That's kind of rude. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited to begin that series with you guys. And would love to uh, to do that with you.